welcome to the Hammer Horror Podcast, uh, of which this month's edition is Dracula, Prince of Darkness. I'm accompanied once again by the delightful Anthony Yee. Hello. Hello. Just picking up from uh, where we currently stand with the uh, churning out of these Dracula podcasts, the, the whole concept was to set up and look at the Hammer Horror films, but primarily the Dracula movies. And we're at the third installment now, Dracula, Prince of Darkness. So the I'm not going to say dun 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 because I said that like twelve thousand times. Yeah, yeah, don't do that. <laughs> I'm saying <laughs> myself. And, Sorry, go on. And so yeah, no. So that's just it. Just a bit of friendly banter between a couple of uh, friendly colleagues, and hopefully you guys will listen and uh, give us some comments uh, along the way about the movie. Did you like the movie? Not. Let us know. From the last podcast I did with Miles for Brides of Dracula, it's been um, oh, it's actually been seven years since the release of the Dracula movie, which we talked about. Mm-hmm. And we're at a stage now where Hammer, are, Hammer Productions are just churning them out. Like these movies are, are coming out like there's no tomorrow. Um, and we've seen the likes of um, you know the, the, the pirate movies that they did, like um, Terror of the Tongs. But um, we've had Curse of the Werewolf with uh, Oliver Reed, his finest moment. We've also had uh, The Shadow of the Cats, uh, Taste of Fear, The Damned, Captain Plague, uh, another horror franchise, Phantom of the Opera. Uh, we've also had Kiss of the Vampire, another um, vampire installment, which I hope to talk about later down the track. Mm-hmm. Um, also, another uh, Frankenstein movie's come out, The Evil of Frankenstein. We've had The mm-hmm. Gorgon with uh, Barbara Shelley, who also is in this movie. Mm-hmm. And we've also had, uh, an, a, yet again, another installment of The Mummy, which is this time is The Curse of the Mummy 2. Mm-hmm. And we've also had She, mm-hmm. and um, which is Ursula Andress's kind of notorious uh, moment in Hammer and, um, and also The Nanny which is uh, Betty Davis uh, thought Fran first, Drescher, uh, was annoying before first bow in you used to know how old she Hammer. was yes <laughs> pardon me mm-hmm. so that's where we are with this. obviously there's a big big churn out as I said of movies which kind of brings us up to date and it's very very quick and I've glossed over some fantastic movies in, in the midst but um we're here to talk about Prince of Darkness. So before I, uh, before we, I should say, get into talking about the the plot as is our normal um, routine of things when we talk about these movies, go through the plot first and kind of add our thoughts on the way. Yeah, do you have anything Ant, that you'd like to throw into the midst before uh, we get out of it? No, I I had no context when I watched it, but it did look like it was shot in another decade compared to the first one mm-hmm. and that was the first thing I noticed and I did ask you when I said it was a shot about 10 years later and you said 7 so yeah. that's my first thought did it improve in those 10 years well we'll, we'll find that out <laughs> as we explore along but I'll let you talk that's us through it, it. exactly um, alright well let's, let's get straight into it um, so the first thing we kind of see is the, the opening shot of Dracula's castle followed by a flashback to Dracula's last original time on movie. Dracula yeah. yes exactly bom 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 that was my turn. Yay! Hey. God, that is mine. <laughs> and then, um, so it ends with that, you know, that confrontation with Van Helsing and dialogue describing Dracula's vanquishment. We then cut to... Was Cushing in that flashback? Uh, yes. Okay. He was. Yes. Yes, he was. Okay. Yeah. So, oh, well, talk to you about the contracts after that. Yes, we will. After this. Yeah. Um, so, we, um, we then cut to uh, the uh, AE body being carried through the woods... Um, and then placed on a wood pile, and it's about to be staked. It's a female body. It is a female body. Because yes, the mother's grieving. That's correct. Right. And uh, then we're stopped by a travelling Gimli! It's Gimli from Lord of the Rings! Right. Yeah, did, did you think he's... Gimli? Gimli, the dwarf. The guy, it's not actually him. No, but it sounds <laughs> a lot like him. 
No, how old is he? No, but no, no it sounds lucky. Like he comes on and he goes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. No, no, no. He is very, very. Uh, his presence is is known from the get go. Yes, and it's actually. I think it's known that um, the uh, producer of uh, Hammer Horror at the time, uh, sorry, just Hammer Productions at the time, wasn't that keen on Andrew Kerr's performance. Really, um, which I find surprising because I kind of like him. But we'll, we'll get. He to is likable. We'll get to. Yeah. We will get to that. Yeah. Um, but he's the definition of a Monday cleric. Because he has a yeah, gun, yeah. but he's a priest. I know, and I, and I like that. That's very and, Dungeons and & Dragons. Yeah, and we'll, we'll talk about that character in particular. The character in question is named Father Sandal. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, basically he stops them, and he basically he's just telling them that they are about to perform blasphemic rites, and they should stop what they're doing. And then he checks their, the neck of the girl, mm-hmm. of the body, Mm-hmm. Uh, to see if there's been signs of vampire activity and, and she sees that it's clear and he insists that she has a proper burial. Yes. So he's obviously, at this point, we already know that he is a specialist. So is that is that what the point of the scene is, do you think, as a, as a storyteller? Is I, it about I him? I know, yes, it is. Because I would have thought a modern-day horror movie would have said, like, a, this picture of the studio exec mm-hmm. going, OK, I love that scene, but she needs to be a vampire because then she can jump up and kill them and he can go, oh, I was wrong. And then you get some special effects yeah, in yeah, and yeah, she yeah. jumps up. That's and, it. And the, you know, that's how I'd say a Monday version would take it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But, uh, you know, we so move in a different pace back in the start. Yeah, time. see? Move at <laughs> very different this pace. pace. In white but shot. I kind of like that. But we, yeah. we said that last time around. But you do. And so, so plot-wise, it's to establish he's a, an authority figure. Yep. But yep. also because of his, uh, his clerical background, too. Um, you know, he's uh, it, which is interesting bringing that into the equation because um, we haven't had that in the franchise thus far, I think. Okay, so yeah, so anyway, he stops the burial and then we then cut to the you know the typical pub scene that mm-hmm. we get in these uh, Hammer Horror movies. Yeah, and we're introduced to the four main characters, Charles and Diana. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I didn't pick up on that at all. I Holy really crap! Did. I was just Holy like, oh, that's crap. interesting. Yeah, sorry. Um, and um, you know, yeah, go on. And, and there's also um, Alan and Helen. Alan I think played by Barbara Shelley. Barbara Shelley and Alan by Bud Tingle. Oh, Bud Tingle. Sorry. Yeah. Which yeah, also means more to me than you because I'm Australian. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. But I mean, no, that's no, the first. Yeah, yeah. But that was the first thing I noticed was like, oh my god, that's Bud Tingle back when he used to call himself Charles. Yes. And. Immediately, obviously, has an Australian accent. I think <laughs> he's an Australian trying to play an Englishman, yeah, yeah. but it's not. He's not. It's just certain R's and the way. It's the bit where he goes fry some shrimp on the barbie. Yeah, which big giveaway. And, There's uh, a lot of Australians that are going to hate me for saying that. <laughs> <laughs> just great because I was going to say something way more offensive, <laughs> and I'm glad you got it. Before I'm just saying you need, uh, but yeah, it's a young but million people. Uh, yeah. yeah, and he's quite. He's quite. He's quite dashing. I did. Really, for my generation, he's just yeah, always been yeah, an old yeah, codger. Yeah, he definitely pulls it, pulls it off, and um, yeah, it's yeah. interesting. Well, but, yeah, we'll no. get to his character involvement down the track. But mm-hmm. yeah, no, excellently put though, because um, yeah, he's a he's a, a, a well-established Australian actor in the industry. And yeah. it's, it's it's good. I guess that's your segue in being Australian mm-hmm. and identifying with that. So it's good. Um, we are, we're shooting this in a dog yard. Yeah, in, in a junkyard. There's yeah. a dog on a leash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have no idea why. I have no idea why Paul wanted to shoot this in a junkyard, but Ooh. it's not very safe. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So, actually, the other observation can I make about yeah, that pub was it looked, to my memory, because I hadn't. Yeah, I mean, I only saw that first movie once, but it looked like to be the exact same set. Yeah, it's interesting because um, I. I 
it, there probably is elements of the same set that's in there because mm. uh, because everything's shot on a budget. Yeah, you use what you have, and they would be shooting this stuff in the same studios and things. So yeah, that but I like that. Because it's because it's like because I again growing up watching as a teenager, the the best example I can give you is Batman. Like the yes. Batman film, Michael Keating, awesome uniform, awesome car, and the first thing they did is change his uniform. And I, they didn't change the car, but they changed the car by a third. So, so you get this thing where movies, whenever there's a sequel, they just change everything just because they can. Yeah. And and it's sort of like, well, I kind of liked it. I mean, Lord of the Rings, I haven't, because the Lord of the Rings Hobbit place is exactly the same, because yep. that's something Jackson apparently wanted. Yeah. But uh, movies usually, they just change it for the sake of changing it, which I kind of found refreshing that they kept that pub exactly the same yeah, as it was, because yeah. it made me feel, okay, that's the same pub, and I felt automatically familiar. Well, it's also, familiar as, as I said, like, they're using the same kind of sets that they would have had anyway, yeah. so, yeah. Well, yeah, what you say, because it's, 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 it's like almost like television production, yeah. they're all just powering through. Yeah. But it worked in the sense that it was refreshing to see. And you see it because this, act, this movie was actually shot back-to-back with Rasputin the Mad Monk, right. with Christopher Lee and... Um, Susan Farmer and Barbara Shea who are also in in, the, in this movie. Wow. Um, didn't like so they re- really just kind of, yeah, we're yeah. now, as I said. But Dracula's castle looked different, but we'll get to that when we get to mm-hmm. that. But anyway, go on. No worries. Um, so the, we then get uh, Father Sandor arriving into the pub, and he immediately discards the hanging garlic. Um, you know, so this whole kind of superstition that's, yep. that's been placed around, he's very dismissive of it. Um and and for me, one of the finest lines in Hammer Horror, where he says, "Fortunately, my callings allow me the luxury of a warm posterior." And as I, he then stands in front of the fireplace and drops his dax. No, he doesn't drop his dax. But I must admit that actually may be warm to him. I think, oh, yeah, that's kind of cool. And, may, and this is another thing. I'm thinking the dialogue's tighter. Yeah. So obviously they've progressed a decade or so. Is my was my first thought. And yeah. at this stage, I wasn't hating it. I was liking the people. I was liking at this stage. The, the stage. I was like, <laughs> yeah, stick around. Uh, but um, uh, the, the 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 lead, the guy is kind of charming. The the lead brother, the older brother. Yes, I kind of liked him. Yes, he is good actually. Yeah. I loved how he Charles. sculled um, a yeah. what do you call those big long beer things? Because. Stein, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, he skulls a Stein, yeah. and it's the most politest skull, 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 <laughs> skull you'll ever hear. It's like, oh, there you go, sir. I couldn't drink at all. Oh, well, bad luck then. Like, I mean, <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Yeah. Anyway, but it was like, yeah, that was quite a lot of beer, darling. I wonder if he was supposed to. He just <laughs> <actually> do it. <laughs> they just improvised that line. Should have got Bud to do it. Oh, the Aussie would have slaughtered that thing. <laughs> In fact, you haven't spent him turn around and go, ah, why you bloody pom? <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, he's, he's kind of charming, and Helen is starting to be a bit of a whiny bitch. Not too bad. But you establish the parameters. No, actually, he's the par- Helen's the sens- sensible one. Yes. The young wife is up for anything, because she's like 13 or something. Yeah. Um, and the older, brother, <laughs> the older brother, the older brother's cool, and the, and the younger brother's handsome. Yes. And the priest is quite charming. So, yeah. off to a good start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's a well-rounded ensemble, mm-hmm. shall we say. Okay, so, uh, the big thing here is the father, Sandor, warns them not to go visit the castle. And I've written here near Carlsberg, which I'm pretty <laughs> sure isn't Carlsberg. I could never figure out what they were saying. Is Carlsberg or something like that? I thought it was Carlsberg. Possibly. I just was thinking of beer. I, I, I did think beer. <laughs> Heineken. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, so so the group then, uh, however, decide not to take his advice, as you do. Otherwise, it'd be the and, end. Uh, and they uh, set off, only to be abandoned by the coachman who refuses to travel any further by night. Now, this is hysterical, this bit, I thought. 
Oh, or just as the company believes them to be abandoned, a driverless coach arrives and they see fit but to travel in it to Dracula's castle. Can we come back to the driver? Yeah. Okay. He says, I'm not going any further. Mm-hmm. Throws off their stuff. They think they're being robbed, but then he throws off their bag and says, I'll, I'll, I'll leave you here. I'll come back to this very spot tomorrow morning. Mm-hmm. If you're still here, we'll keep going. So, firstly, I just thought, well, I know they didn't have digital watches back then, but then he would have known that at that certain point, he was not going to go any further. <laughs> and maybe just save them all the hassle to go, you know what, let's just not do it tonight. He's and then, up every <laughs> to the next day. Oh, yeah. And then, like, <laughs> well, I'm going to abandon you here, but I'll come back and pick you up, as opposed to, well, let me take you back to somewhere that you can probably find, uh, you know, somewhere to sell it. He, just, he was just the weirdest, yeah. politest, rudest guy. There are some kind of um, interesting plot decisions just to keep them going, particularly yeah. in this. Like, they yeah. just do random decisions, which we'll talk about, because there are mm. there are other things that get to me further down the script. Um, There's or, one thing that gets to you that is really quite funny, which will... That's, that's a spoiler. Not a spoiler. That's There's a something teaser. Gets to me. Really? Okay. It's, you have to remind It's me one of the it. rules, because you keep... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I must admit, when I saw it, I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> go on. Okay, we'll, we will get it. Okay, so... Anyway, so they go off into this uh, coach that doesn't have a driver that's turned up. That wasn't bad either, too. And... Um, and then it takes them to Dracula's castle. And once they're in the castle, you know, the doors close on them and they are greeted with a dining table mysteriously set for four people. Um, so it's ticking a few of the typical horror It's really good. Things here. At this point, it's, it's actually pretty good. And then we get Helen who's saying she's scared. Helen, that they leave. she becomes a real whiny bitch at this point. <laughs> yeah. And even though what she's saying is actually perfectly sensible, yeah. you do want a glass her. <laughs> she doesn't let up. And you start sympathising with the brother who, who's actually basically the reason why they get in trouble. Because yes. he's like, oh, let's give it a go, come well, on. That's, well, that's it. He's the one that goes, let's go in, investigate. How bad can it be? Because the walls are bleeding. Because he has no mind. fear at this point yeah. as well, which is uh, established. He's the one that's very much... And that's already kind of early on in the pub scene. He's already kind he, of shown that he, he hasn't drinks. got this kind of... Yeah. You know, he's this bravado kind of character. So, yes, and look, anyway, he's the one that says, well, let's, let's go and investigate. Um... And, uh, you know, go searching through the castle and its inhabitants. And, uh, and then he comes across their luggage in the bedrooms, which yes. has mysteriously been placed there without them knowing. So that wasn't a tip-off, but okay. No. <laughs> and then uh, and the w- women are startled by the presence of a mysterious figure in the doorway, mm-hmm. um, which <laughs> is to me about that, you know, going back to how, what we were talking about in the yes, first yes. installments, about how there yeah. always has to be an entrance in a doorway to yes. make it kind of eerie. And you're led to believe it's Dracula from the get-go, but no, yep. it's his servant, Clove. Classic misdirect. Yes. Mm-hmm. And he serves them dinner. And but again, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know, I assume Clove eats there, but it just made me think, how old's his food? I've been waiting to serve you. Because no, are there any other servants in the house? No. So he cooks and, and supplies. And cleans. And cleans and serves and wears a suit. Man, no one is miserable. Yeah. yeah. Oh, can I just say too? Yeah. Um, they all eat their soup in the proper way. With like that. Yeah, you're doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so um, it's like with the backhand. Away backhand, from you. and you always serve it. Uh, start towards you and serve away from you, which yes. is the proper way to do it. Yes. They all did it. Ah. I just thought that was interesting. Schooled in. Oh, so in they were properly schooled in etiquette, table etiquette yeah. thing. So oh, there you go. But that's a real thing. Man, that's that's particular. <laughs> I was getting, I was starting to get bored. You can't tell. I was making that. Observation. You're like, oh, soup behavior. <laughs> um, 
Superhager. Yeah, that's an album for a time. <laughs> Superhager. Uh, so no, they ask uh, they ask the um, Clove where the host is, and he replies is um, that he can't be with them because he's dead. <laughs> Which was a bit of a downer. Yeah, Although they, they they toasted him, didn't they? Yeah, they do raise a toast and say, "May he rest in peace." <laughs> <laughs> in pieces. <laughs> but again, it was like he's dead. I mean, that's a. If it was a comedy, you'd write the same line. He's yeah, dead. Yeah. Dead. Ah, <laughs> like, oh, rather. That sucks. Um, so the company are naturally a little unnerved by this. Um, and Helen remarks to her husband, Alan, with a chilling prophecy, there'll be no mourning for us. She's probably right. I didn't say the dun dun dun. <laughs> okay, so, but as night descends, they go to bed. And then Helen is awoken in the night, claiming that someone was calling her name. Alan goes to investigate and sees Clove in the corridor carrying a large trunk and goes to see what he is doing despite Helen's concerns. It doesn't bang when it goes down the stairs. Did you notice that? It sort of yeah. did in a very soft way. But again, because I thought it was a large trunk yeah. with something in it, and I thought that's convenient, but then it's actually not because it's yeah. empty. It is empty. Spoiler. And it's also got cushions underneath. Oh, does it? No. <laughs> <laughs> the, sound, the sound engineer was like, oh, sorry. He was, he was caught napping. <laughs> But yeah, okay. Uh, okay, so um, Alan discovers a hidden basement with Dracula's tomb, but is suddenly attacked from behind by Clove, yep. clubbed over the head, who then ties Alan's feet to a pulley, winches him over the tomb, and after scattering Dracula's ashes into the tomb, he slits Alan's throat. This is really good. Yeah. So that his blood drips into the tomb in true dramatic hammer style, and it begins to, begins to steam, and slowly a body begins to form. A hand is then seen rising from the coffin. So that is, firstly, very. it was kind of graphic, even though it was all implied. You don't see the, the knife slashing the throat. But at the time, I was like, oh, that's pretty brutal. Mm-hmm. Poor old Bud Tingle, kill the Australian first. Yeah. Uh, but I, it was a very, yeah, quite, I mean... It was a brutal moment. It was quite effective and, and I thought quite horrific. And if as a kid, I would have just lost my shit at that point. Yeah, it's uh, pretty, the, cool. pretty cool. It man. is pretty cool. Although, I just like the winchy. Uh, yeah, it, it sets it all up because you kind of know what's going to happen. Yeah. And when he does it, it's quite confronting. Yeah. The fact that the blood comes out looking like paint yeah. takes away from the illusion. The yeah. fact that you see it in the close-up, but in the wide shot, he's not bleeding anymore. <laughs> but you go back to the close-up, he's still bleeding. Of course. Because uh, obviously they couldn't... Uh, didn't have to paint. Yeah, but um, but then the Dracula recompositing. What do you call it? The uh, recombining. Re- yeah. Reemerging. Uh, re- regenerating. Generating. Um, is classic old school filmmaking, which is just shooting stuff in reverse. That's right. It was effective. It was quite. Yeah. Yeah. It's good classic old school filmmaking techniques. That's it. And so it kind of still had me at this point. I was still going. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. So there we go. The first death of the movie. up then so we just had the, the death of Alan <laughs> but then Clove then appears at Helen's bedroom door and what becomes a reoccurring theme is villains of the piece encouraging the women to follow them and they in turn comply without any questions asked um, but anyway As so he encourages <laughs> Helen to go down to the basement where she discovers her husband Alan strung up <laughs> Um, that was, what was your first clue, Helen? <laughs> yeah. That maybe you should have run. She turns to flee, but at the top of the stairs, in true Dracula yes. essences, 
um, is Dracula himself, portrayed by Christopher Lee. Yay! Um, and Helen stands back with fear as Dracula engulfs her with his cape. The classic cape. Yeah. Yes, the whole kind of... Uh, uh, I just love the idea that that's what he does and he just doesn't do anything. And she's like, what are you doing? Uh, <laughs> no, like, just go with it. Just go with it. Hold on to this. That's really annoying. Why are you doing it with a cape? Anyway, sorry. <clears throat> anyway, um, but then we cut to the next day. Charles and Diana. Charles and Diana. Uh, I didn't see that. That's amazing. Are puzzled by the disappearance of Alan. No, is she, like, she's like really quite a bit younger than him, yeah? Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And is that... Was that kind of the norm? I don't that know. Guys I don't think become so. pedos. Um, well, she's not. She's not that young. <laughs> just the thing, the way they. It, it just, it just struck me not as odd, but as a curious. She's, but she's, she's, that, she's no. not that young. She's probably eighteen in it, I reckon. But he's like mid thirties or something. Yeah. Yeah, late late thirties at least. Yeah. Maybe Forty. I'd imagine so. So, but it was more a case of like, aren't you fortunate to be well, married to an old man? point where, like Dracula, are starting to try and kind of um, gear towards the damn fine fillies. Yeah. Um, to boost their promotion. <laughs> 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 the worst of the vampires are Hollywood agent. <laughs> Need the sex boys, but um, yeah. no. But in terms of social convention at the time, nobody really think twice. Point. No, I don't think so. Whereas well, these days, you would probably go, "Oh, yeah. okay." It's right. a it's a good point because yeah. I I on viewing it didn't pick up on that. I, I just found that interesting because it was another world where that sort of thing, yeah, I guess wasn't really blinked at twice. Whereas these days, people would make it, oh. yeah. Or if it was again remade today. They would probably make a more big deal of it. Although the Maybe, I don't know, really interesting. Know. Yeah, I mean, like you know, a lot of these um, Dracula movies that we see, like it w- would be really interesting to see Hammer take on the Dracula story now that they are reinventing themselves again. And we've already seen a, a vampire installment with their uh, um, Let Me In movie, which was released. Um, I love that film. So it would be interesting to see. What they would do with Dracula today. Yeah. Although there's a new series coming out um, about Dracula. Um, right. I forget which of the American companies, big American TV companies that are doing it, but yeah, it's coming out. It's about, like, sorry, sorry, about Dracula or about making... No, it's about Dracula. Dracula. Okay, right. Yeah, there's a lot of things coming into it. I don't know the gist of the story or anything, but it's got Dracula in it and they're trying to reinvent him. Okay. But it would be interesting to see if Hammer choose to do that. Yeah. Um, particularly is like, you know, they're, they're just about to, or they just released the new Blu-ray version. Okay. Um, I, the original Dracula movie. I would guess they would do what they're doing with Doctor Who now, like an actual documentary behind the making of... And have somebody play for Blake to believe. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm looking, for, so looking forward to that. Yeah. Sorry, Doctor Who's saying Yeah, that, probably, yeah. Well, yeah. the poetry is the same guy that they've chosen for Hartnell to play Christopher Lee. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, go okay. um, Although, interestingly, I know, I know we're going through segues and stuff, but I kind of do see uh, Paul McGann as a really good uh, Van Helsing. Oh, Van Helsing. Oh, he, well, unfortunately, he's already done it. <laughs> Unless we yeah, know by killers, I know. I don't think I'm, I, I saw awesome that cast. It was, and I realized I do really want him to play that because he's so, yeah. Anyway, that's just me. I, thinking, I saw that with you. <laughs> I was going to also have to explain it. Like, hey, no, Paul's there. No, yeah, you know me. All right. Anyway, <laughs> let's get back to um, back to yes. Prince of Darkness. So we we're at the next day after. Um, the uh, death of Alan and presumably the death of ha- Helen as well. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we have Charles and Diana waking up in the morning, not knowing where the uh, Alan and Helen are, but they decide to leave anyway. Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> <as you laughs> <see it. laughs> 
Uh, but once out of the castle grounds, Charles, rather than head into the village with Diana, decides to go back into the castle, leaving Diana at a wooden hut by herself. Yeah, this is odd. This is like what I mean. There's a few kind of plot mm. choices where I mm. kind of go, mm, that's a bit odd. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, it's what he chooses to do. Uh, so he goes back to Dracula's castle and Charles discovers the basement and Dracula's tomb and to his horror, Alan's body. This is Which probably, has been stuffed inside a trunk. Yeah, that's probably the most graphic thing because the trunk clearly is way too small to fit yeah. Alan's body in it. So clearly yeah. it's been busted and broken and dismembered. And that thought process when it hits you is like that's really disturbing yeah yeah that's it because yeah because you were these days with the documentaries and stuff you've seen stuff like that oh man yeah, yeah. and so that was really powerful yes, I thought yeah. it was mm-hmm. very much so um, and so yeah so at this point Charles has discovered that his brother's effectively been killed um, and then darkness then descends and Dracula awakens we then cut to Susan who's confronted by Clove at the wooden hut who again manages to convince Susan this time <laughs> to go back to the castle. He's but a it, was, it, was, it was a classic thing of like, are you lying? No. Okay. All right. <laughs> Just, they didn't think to... Watch you some zombies. Yeah. <laughs> but it was, it was yeah. yeah. Anyway. Anyway, so the, upon arriving back to the castle, Diana is greeted by Helen in her transformed state, burying her fangs and announcing... We've been waiting for you. So she's clearly become one of the brides of Dracula. Yay! The red-headed one. The red-headed one. Because he has to have one of every different hair colour. Yes, and he's saving them up. Yay. Dracula arrives. <laughs> Position open for a blonde. <laughs> Bazinga! And that's where Susan Farmer steps in. Mm-hmm. As uh, Diana. Yeah. Um, but then Dracula arrives just before Helen can overcome Diana. Um, but before he too can take Diana away with him, and Charles appears and confronts him with a sword. Yes. Which Dracula, in turn, breaks in two. He does. And also, this is the moment where Christopher Lee has his one and only line in the entire movie, <laughs> which is... Because <sighs> apparently he just didn't want to speak. No, there is a thing where... Um, and he said, I think it's in the extras on the DVD that I've got, where um, uh, Christopher Lee talks about playing the role of Dracula... Um, but he basically, um, and I was going to talk about this down the track, but we'll mention it now because it's coming into the, into the conversation. Um, apparently he said, um, incidentally as Dracula, I never say a word as I'm already a vampire from the word go. There is nothing I can say. <laughs> but he still got paid anyway. So I think from the premise of that is that he was like, well, you don't need to know. He doesn't need to add anything because he is the villain. He is the, the, the enemy of the piece mm-hmm. and um, what more is there to say he's Dracula and therefore he I am <laughs> I am Dracula, Dracula and therefore I am anyway <laughs> something like that um, but anyway yeah so you're right um, but I found that quite interesting where he grabs the sword and just kind of breaks it in two so he's kind of showing his power already from mm-hmm. the get go he's already probably you know he's already gained a lot of strength and then uh, Diana uh, meanwhile breaks free from Helen's grasp by inadvertently burning her with a, her cross necklace yes. that she has. So there's another kind of uh, stereotype kind of uh, part of the Dracula legend that's come into... It was, a semi, it was a clever way to get out, because I was at one point thinking, how are they going to get out of this? And I completely yeah. forgot about the cross necklace. Because I'm so used to yeah. seeing modern-day vampire movies, which are about <laughs> ultraviolet light yes, and that's right. garlic. And then, um, you know. So at which point Charles picks up on this, and he makes a makeshift cross. Yes. And, uh, and they escape in a coach which happens to be parked outside. 
Um, and, but in their escape, they crashed the coach. That's right. Um, <laughs> Slow down. Why should I? Uh, I'm going faster. Anyway, yeah. but they're discovered by uh, Father Sandal. That's right. Uh, <laughs> and the first one to tell his mouth is, I told you not to. Yeah. Wah, 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 wah. Um, and then they take him, they take, Father Sandor takes Charles and Diana back to the monastery. Yes, that's right. And this is where they had this discussion, which you were talking about earlier, um, about different ways that they could stop Dracula. One of these would be the way they would indeed stop him, which we'll discuss later. Firstly, oh, I started to lose momentum at this point, because yeah. there's a lot of to and fraying. She's being the historical girl with a bump on her head. But then, yes. um, but yeah, he does establish the rules. And it stood out like dog's balls to you that he says... Oh, running water. Which yeah, I thought... Running water was the thing. I thought it was like a throwaway line. So I didn't mind it. I thought, okay, he's snuckling. Because yeah. he does... There's running water. Well, maybe it's because I knew, knew the movie. Yeah, maybe. And I'm yeah. watching it from, another, uh, from a repeat viewing. And I kind of went... Oh, yeah, it's a bit, a bit of a crowbar <laughs> kind of... Oh, we need to list different ways. And one of these will be the ways that we end up defeating him. But anyway, look, that's just me being niggly. But anyway, look, back, back to the, uh, back to the, the uh, plot... Um, so we're at the uh, monastery. Mm-hmm. Um, Clove arrives outside the monastery with two coffins in his coach, um, and the audience is intru- introduced to the character. Interestingly, for me, mm-hmm. being a bit of a SWAT, um, they are introduced to the character Ludwig, uh, which is based a on the Renfield character from Stoker's original novel. Oh. who's the guy that's gone a bit insane in, in oh, the Oh yes, asylum. that's where he came from. Yeah. Um, and he's played by uh, one of Hammer's staple actors, Thorley Waters. Um, and, yeah, he's playing an inmate in the monastery. So then um, then we come back to Father Sandor, who's talking to Charles, and he's t- saying that Dracula is after Diana in particular. Um, but all will be well, as he can't enter the premise unless someone invites him in. Yes. Cut to Ludwig, who is under Dracula's spell, and o- breaks out of his cell, mm. opens the door, letting Dracula in. Well, again... Again, the the details in this one. Because the whole thing is, A, it's got to be a dwelling that the person who owns or lives in it, Ludwig, is a guest. Yeah. So, Although he resides there. So he does reside there. That's true. But, but then, does that mean he can only allow him into his bedroom, yeah. but nowhere else, because yeah. it's a shared <laughs> common area? I'm stuck in your bedroom. I mean, if you look at it too closely, the whole thing does fall apart. But it did make me think, uh, well, that's just convenient. That's a good point. Yeah, no, that is a good point. Yeah. Um, it's, it's irrelevant anyway, because, uh, well... We'll, we'll get to that. But, it, I mean, that is a good point, because if, you, mm. if you're looking at the, the true uh, nature of the beast, that is correct. It's the person needs to own it. And we kind of talked about that. Which is uh, why vampires can live in hotels. It, yeah. As established by Angel in the movie, the, sorry, the TV series Angel, yeah. he stayed in a hotel. Because yeah. nothing's permanent. That's cool. Yeah. Ah, that'll take me back. Cool. That takes me back. Yeah. Remember, that, remember that series? Yeah, it was. Oh, I remember yeah. that series. Anyway, anyway. Go. <laughs> so, um, so yeah. So then, uh, well, yeah. So then we cut to now Diana, mm-hmm. who wakes up um, in her bedroom to find Helen at the window, begging to be let into the monastery. Once again, Diana, <laughs> for some reason, believes <laughs> these people. Uh, I think and, I really did lose interest at this point. And, Helen, and, and lets Helen in. Only for Helen to then bite down his arm. Uh, but is once more stopped by Dracula, who wants Diana for himself. However, once again, Dracula is stopped by Father Sandor and Charles, and uh, the infection in Diana is prevented from spreading when Father Sand- Sandor burns her arm. So that kind of goes That's back right, to yes. The first movie? Was, it, was that the first movie? Was I don't think it was. Maybe it was in Brides of Dracula. 
I'll have to look. Oh, no, it is in Brides of Dracula because it's the bit I really love. It's the bit where uh, Peter Cushing has been bitten and he gets this soldering uh, iron yes, and burns his neck. neck. And I'm right. like, that's brutal. Van Helsing, you rock. Um, <laughs> But it's like a snake bite then, the tree it like... Oh, yeah, exactly. It's that whole kind of thing. So anyway, they, yes. they're able to stop the infection um, from spreading. Um, and then we find that uh, the monks have managed to capture Ludwig and Helen. However, M- Ludwig's managed to escape somehow. Um, and this is kind of a cool bit for me. Like, we see Helen almost rabid and trying to free herself. Hmm. Um, and the monks then pin her to this table... Oh, yes. ...where Father Sandor then stakes her through the heart... And I've written in my, night, in my notes here, nice, with lots of exclamation marks. Because I really like that bit. But that's just what, what do you like? I mean, because uh, I don't think I want to delve too deep here because it might reveal something a bit disturbing. But what did you like about that? I just like the fact, I, what I really liked is this whole kind of, A, that they literally had to physically pin her down. Mm. But it also kind of cuts back to, you know how Van Helsing was very kind of cold and meticulous about the way he dispatched the, the vampires. Mm. Father Sandor kind of does it here too. It's, it's a job for him. Mm. And he just kind of, it's very, it's, it's, I just thought it was a quite a brutal way. And I think because of the struggle thing as well, there are kind of, um, you could probably, I'm sure there are um, theologists out there that would probably say it's, there, it's kind of reminiscent of a rape scene in a way. Well, I, that's the imagery the that, pinning, that pinning goes, the I think down. that's very primeval, but it's true, it's an imagery and, that, and that goes. And then staking as well, yeah, it's which has its own kind of... Well, the, con- the whole con- connotations of penetration, blah, yeah, yeah. blah, blah. But yeah, but that's, that's, I mean, that's, yeah. Not, that's not what I... I mean, yeah. you, you could read into it like that, but that's, that's not my interpretation of it. I, I am literally looking at it as that's quite a brutal way to just get the job done. Mm. And, I, and I liked it. I thought it was good. Nicely handled. Okay, so now we um, and Charles is in the room too, and this, at this point, Father Sandor asks him over to look upon her, and he finds that Helen has transformed back to her normal self, thus breaking the spell, which I thought was kind of a nice touch, yeah. and that's very typical of um, modern, you know, the modern take on Dracula, um, Dracula or vampire movies. I, I immediately think of Lost Boys. Yeah, um, that's yes, yes. Know, so they go back to the kind of where they, especially that shot of Kiefer Sutherland, yeah, where, where he looks so youthful. Yeah, he's lost his. Yeah. Anyway, meanwhile, Ludwig encourages Diana to join him. Um, again, enticing Diana's such a gullible bitch. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I think I've written in my notes. Because um, she follows him. But, but we are generations away from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I'm just, I'm just, we're just saying. But before, she, but before yeah. she does this, she places the cross necklace around her neck. Which is an interesting point because when she gets led into this room, she's startled by the appearance of Dracula standing there. He, however, uses his hypnosis and encourages her to remove the necklace. Yes, I do remember this bit. Which is kind of going, which is again a good point, uh, a nice point. And he exposes his chest and he then slices yes. it. Yes. Interestingly, in, in the version we saw um, on the DVD, it's cut, but in the in existing footage, you actually see him cut. Ah. chest um, which is again a huge nod to the Stoker novel yeah, and I thought that was a really nice nice touch um, and again you can get into the imagery of the sexualization and yeah, the rape and yeah, stuff and he because, he, because he grabs her by the head yeah, or something yeah, yeah. and brings and he's her towards trying to get her to drink and the way it's angled blood. it's like yeah. oh, okay no it's nice <laughs> <laughs> okay that's on the record he thinks that's nice yeah. I am deeply offended Before- as a man <laughs> Man and a human civilian. Yes, I know. Sorry. And before he can do that, though, Charles again interrupts him, but um, by calling out for Diana, he can and she kind of can hear him and breaks the spell. Um, In his in his haste, he takes Diana, and he escapes in a coach. 
Um, and uh, Charles is told that um, by Father Sandor that the castle, that Dracula's castle that they're heading to is, is days right away and they must prevent Dracula from reaching the castle. We then have the uh, notorious dramatic uh, pursuit mm-hmm. um, as they go through the woods mm-hmm. in pursuit of Dracula. And Charles and the priest uh, cut him off, at which point um, Ch- uh, Clove is driving the, uh, the coach and Charles shoots him and kills Clove. So it's quite quite a very oh, brutal yeah, shot, and, yeah. you know, dispatches him very cleanly. Mm-hmm. Um, again, though, the coach is able to drive by itself so towards the castle. Why the hell was he driving um, in the first place? And yeah. just as they get to the outside of the castle, a coffin is spilt out onto the frozen ice. Yeah. And the priest and Charles, sorry, I say the priest, Father Sandor and Charles, uh, get to the coach and they open up the coffin that's in there and mm-hmm. it happens to be Diana, stroke of luck. Mm-hmm. Um, at which point then Charles then ventures out onto the ice to kill Dracula who's in the other coffin. Um, however, darkness then descends yep. and uh, Dracula breaks out of his coffin, seizing Charles and a struggle um, ensues on this frozen ice. Um, at which point Diana, who quite bravely at this point grabs a gun Attempts to shoot Dracula, That's right. but inwardly misses and cracks open a bit of the ice. Mm-hmm. And plot device now comes back in, yes. where Father Sandor realises that they may have the upper hand of running water. Mm-hmm. He then shoots at the ice, which cracks open, and Dracula is sent plummeting through the ice to a watery grave. And that's where the movie ends. Scene. Um, yeah, what struck me as odd about that scene from memory, it was all... They weren't shooting him, even though bullets don't effectively work. But they could have wounded him. Yeah. But they were shooting the ground instead. I well, that was an accident first, because uh, yeah, the Diana goes the to shoot, shoot yeah. him and misses. But does ice act that way? Because I'm Australian, so I don't know what ice is. You're English, you would know. But does, by I shooting at my first... This is a weird segue. Yeah. My first driving lesson was on, was on ice. <laughs> and black ice. <laughs> he, so he was kind of like skidding <laughs> around. He means the drug... Anyway, yeah, it was great. <laughs> it's awesome. I think I passed. I don't know. I lost three days. Peaked. <laughs> but I mean, I mean, does it work like that? Because I was like, a bullet in ice would just ricochet, wouldn't it? I mean, I honestly don't know. Uh, depends how thin the ice is. Well, it has to be thick enough to support them. Yeah. Seen that Do you know we now. should watch uh, Snow Falling on Cedars, which has this, uh, is this just... movie, um, which talks about ice. <laughs> and it's a thriller. It's I a thought, good movie. Yeah. Um, I thought you were going to suggest we shoot some different, ice. A different type of ice has different characteristics and personalities. One's called Bob, one's called David. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> in, all ser- in all seriousness, they, Bob's they do have... Uh, different characteristics depending on the type of ice that it is mm. having said that I think you pointed out a massive flaw because <laughs> I think in order for the ice to break it would have to be one death shot in order to penetrate yeah. the ice and so, well, it obviously supports human bodies human body people yeah. so it's be quite thick you'd have to take a pickaxe to it and even yeah. then I would exactly. imagine so I'm just thinking I mean, like, even though he's in, like he, he's in, like bullets don't kill him but an actual whatever that was the 303 or whatever a rifle bullet through the kneecap he's not going to go anywhere that's the end of the movie um, and I know we quickly rushed through the ending because uh, I guess because the pace picks up by that <laughs> point. And I know you said there's a big dip in the middle. Mm. Um, but what are your at this stage? What are your thoughts on the movie as a whole? Uh, look, yeah, 
it, it clearly had progressed production value-wise into another decade. Yeah. Um, and they were a bit more efficient with certain things, mm-hmm. with the way they got the plot moving and talking, but they still had great moments of nothing. Yes. But again, again, spoiled child from the MTV generation, get on with it or, or get out. Yeah, 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 that's right, exactly. Um, we, we talked about yeah. that the last time round about yeah. how, how the pace of movies have changed mm. from then and now. Um, I, my, my initial reaction is that I kind of, I think I prefer this at the moment. Of the three movies, and, mm. I, and I know you weren't part of Brides of Dracula mm. um, with the podcast discussion, but of the three movies, this one's definitely my favourite. Why is that? Um, I think by this point, they've already established uh, ground and, and plot, uh, even though they were weak plot devices, um, they are. They know when to hit notes, mm-hmm. and, and that's established. And Christopher Lee's back in it mm. as well. Mm-hmm. And, and yes, he doesn't say a lot, but his presence alone he is, is so magnanimous. Magna- that word that I can't pronounce. Magnanimous. <laughs> um, He's going to read it this for a podcast. Uh, <laughs> You'd be able to pronounce your words properly. But, oh no, you got to. Um, what is this disease? Cut it now. Go talk. Um, uh, big. Anyway, he's yeah. big. But his presence is is big. Um, <laughs> and um, and so, and but not only that. Like that, we, we also have. Uh, even though you you were saying she's a whiny bitch in it, Barbara Shelley's in it, and she, for me, is is atypical of a uh, of the Hammer industry. You know. Mm. Um, and yeah, there are certain things in it. I just, I just, I just, it felt right with me. Yeah. So I, I, I just felt they were hitting the right notes, mm-hmm. and they're hitting, and the pace of it is is right mm-hmm. um, of that time. Um, so I, yeah, no, I really liked it, and I, I, I hold this one up as probably one of the best um, Hammer movies. Okay. Um, <coughs> particularly of, uh, particularly of this, of this kind of franchise. Yeah. I mean, there are other, uh, there are other. Hammer movies that I like. One of them is um, Quatermass in the Pit, mm-hmm. which again has Andrew Kerr in it and Barbara Shelley, mm-hmm. for that matter. But um, I, and I really like that movie. But that's uh, that's more science fiction, and probably for a, a conversation and a later podcast if we get round to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so that that was my initial thing. I, I actually I, I like the movie, and I'm being biased because I'm a huge Hammer fan. But we know that. Yes. All right. Well, let's well, let's look in a bit more intricate detail at, at the players of the piece. We've mm-hmm. already talked about Christopher Lee. He's returning to the role of Dracula, um, and as I, as I said at the beginning of the podcast, it's seven years ago since he played the role, and he's evidently grain now. Um, so he, he wasn't in Brides of Dracula. He, he's not. Dracula is not in Brides of Dracula. So how did that, that movie go? Then I didn't see it. Okay. So um, really, really quickly, yeah. uh, it's basically Peter Cushing still on going around as Van Helsing on a mission to vanquish the brides of Dracula that ah. are still around. Ah, okay. Because obviously uh, Dracula at that point has, as we know, been killed, ah. and it's this movie where he's been resurrected. So um, did, did he not want to be in the second film? Well, they thought they could try. No, there's lots. Of, there's lots of to and fro around that. There was lots of discussions about trying to get a Dracula two off the ground. Mm. But as it turned out, this is the, this Brides of Dracula movie was the one with the plot that picks up, and because really at the time wasn't interested in reprising the role, um, and so it kind of the way it shifted in the sand, so to speak, it just was the way it was. Okay. And it's only at this point where. Uh, like a true sequel, I guess, came into effect because we're seeing the villain of the piece back into the fray. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, no, I, you know, it's, it's I, for me, it's great to see Chris Lee back. Sure. Uh, he's so yeah, he's the man. His presence is un, un, unfound. <laughs> big, 
Big. Big. <laughs> um, uh, and I, we already mentioned about him not saying a word in the entire yep. movie and where that stands. Um, you know, and you know, I, I, he was also a, apparently quite notorious about not saying any lines that didn't sound like it was written by Stoker as well. So mm. I, I wonder if that comes into effect as well. If the script, there, maybe there was lines of dialogue for him to say. I and wouldn't be surprised. The start of the piece. Apparently, in, Mac- had in McKellen, there's a bit like that with with Gandalf. Yeah, well, well okay, with the Tolkien's kind yeah, of words. Yeah, yeah, I can look. I totally get it from mm. a, from a point of view. If you're basing something on. Uh, a particularly like well-known pieces of literature mm. like The Hobbit and mm. Lord of the Rings plus Dracula is, mm. you would respect the language that that's told in. And I, mm. I totally get it. And there are act- I, mean, I come from an acting background as well, so I, I, I get the, the theology behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I also, as I mentioned, with this movie was shot back-to-back with Rasputin the Mad Monk, which, again, Christopher Lee plays in and Barbara Shelley and Susan Farmer are also in that movie. Um, so yeah, so do you have any other comments about Christopher Lee? Uh, that, yeah, I just say he doesn't say anything, and I think yeah. my first instinct there would be that oh, is he phoning it in? He just doesn't want to speak. Mm. And he's, had, he's had a word with the director, going, "I'm not going to say that. I'll just, I'll just go." <laughs> um, and variations of that. Yeah, all the conventions are starting to take shape um, of stuff that we we now see of like a, a coach that drives itself. You can easily see that in the movie today. Um, you know the, the characters like the, the the whiny character, the come on, what can I do? The hurt character, the let's go for a character, the beautiful young character. So you got the ensemble piece. These guys are the pre-Victorian age version of the slash of yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> teenagers yeah, on the lake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, so uh, yeah, and you got the, 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 the doomsayer who is the one who knows what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have all those conventions in place. You have, yeah, creepy things like your luggage is already waiting for you, the horses take you and they disappear. Yep. Um, yes, the classic haunted house where everything's waiting for you. That's Yeah, it's all good stuff. Um, and I guess because I'd seen so many different versions of it, I, was, you know, I knew it was coming. But again, at yeah. the time, this is seminal, this is new, this is different. So at the time, I would have probably shut my pants. <laughs> um, so I, it is interesting to hear about that because yeah. um, we discussed that last time about the fear factor. And, I, you know, not once am I scared while I'm watching it. No. But I, I just, there's this kind of whole nostalgic thing, and we, we touched on that when we mm. last spoke. Um, when I watch these movies, and I, I get this like nice warm feeling when I'm watching these. When he sees a man get his throat slashed yeah. upside down, he gets a warm fuzzy I feeling. Do. But I get that that's the weirdest. <laughs> but it's, just me. it's just that he gets an erection too. That's just the weirdest thing. Um, but yeah, look, and there are things in there that that, that aren't that far from if you reversioned it. Yeah, would be really quite brutal and horrific, like, know, the, like killing of, of Bud Tingle and the, the body yeah. in the coffin. So yeah, there, are, yeah, yeah. there are aspects in there that, yeah. that really ring true, and you, and, mm. and it, it does make you think about how this movie could sit really well as a, as a modern take. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, with obviously, yeah. a lot of kind of changes to yeah. add to it. But well, as a, I think as the key. First, yeah, the first thing the they'll say is that the females out. can't be such one, such no, useless. No, no, no. Not yeah, useless, but the sort of decoration, and they'd have to be more proactive. Like Diana would be a, a heroine, and she would mm. be quite resourceful, and sort of yeah. the Nicholas around her whilst Jack, and you know, yeah, exactly. That that that'd be the change. The one I would imagine would be a modern take on it. Right. Um, moving on to the other plays of the piece, so we'll touch base on the um, the hammer glamour component of mm-hmm. this, which um, we discussed before, which is always um, 
Hammer became notorious for the females that they would cast mm-hmm. in the piece. Uh, the first person of which is Barbara Shelley, um, who we've classed as the whiny bitch in this movie. <laughs> um, but at this stage, like um, she became quite synonymous to Hammer, mov- Hammer movies. She was known, uh, not this particular movie, is not a Hammer movie, but Village of the Damned. Mm-hmm. Um, but she became synonymous for, um, you know, the camp on Blood Island, Shadow of the Cat, The Gorgon, The Secret of Blood Island, and, and one of my favourite Hammer movies, Crowd of Mass in the Pit, which I've discussed already. After um, she'd done the whole kind of Hammer thing, she'd spent quite a term with the RSC, uh, Royal Shakespeare Company, before retiring to run an interior designer business, so she kind of moved well away from the industry itself. Um, but she she will forever be remembered as Hammer's most prolific female star, and rightfully so in my book. Mm. Um, I, it's the same kind of thing when when you know that um, Christopher Lee's in it, or when you know that Peter Cushing's in a Hammer movie, the same thing with the female star. If you know Barbara Shelley's in it, mm-hmm. you kind of get this kind of whole, yeah, it's going to be quite, it's going to be a good one. Okay. And she was known as the, the, the true uh, female... The first like, lady the of Hammer Horror. Hammer Horror, I guess. Right. Um, I said so, first yeah, lady. for me, I, 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 that's another reason why I, I love this movie. Mm. Um, also, we have Susan Farmer, which we were talking about before as well. She's the, the, young, the young girl in it who's playing Diana. Um, she wasn't in many... Uh, she wasn't actually in many Hammer films, she, but she, did, she was in four in total. Two, two of them were the pirate movies, Scarlet Blade and The Devil Ship Pirates. Um, obviously, Dracula, Prince of Darkness, and as mentioned, uh, the uh, Rasputin, the Mad Monk. Um, she didn't really do anything um, movie-wise outside of that. Um, she was known more for her her two-year marriage with Ian McShane, right? Um, who is uh, still pe- alive? Yeah, still, still going around. Who people know probably as, as, as uh, what's his name? Swearing, swearing, and no, what's his name <laughs> from Deadwood? Anyway, yeah, the dude from um, Deadwood. And also, also he, Pirates he, of the Caribbean as and Blackbeard. Yes, yeah, and the young pilot in Battle Battle of the Britain. Oh, Battle of Britain. Battle of Britain. Battle of the Britain. Battle of Britain. Where he gets shot down and he's going to get bombed. Like, we'll talk about a bad week. Yeah. Uh, but that's, I love that movie. That's a great movie. Anyway, Let's talk about that. That's an aside. That actually, from the 1960s, I could talk about that and just go, brilliant, 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 yeah. brilliant. Anyway. I love the film. We should do that. We should. Um, okay. But besides the spell with Hammer, she um, she did she did have a stint with Corrie or Coronation Street to those... Oh, is that what that is? Yeah, yeah. I was like, who's Corrie? <laughs> and why was she and, in Blake um, 7? And she was in Blake 7. Sorry. An episode of Blake 7. Reading Head. Yeah. What was she in Deliverance? Now, Deliverance, what episode so was that? So there was... was oh, man. I can't, it was a bit of a controversial um, episode, and I can't remember... Is it the one happened. with the planet? No. That's dying, or is it the one with the the, the they, you, they shoot somebody but they don't die until they press a button? I think so. Yeah. Oh, God, this is embarrassing. In, she's in the last ever episode. There was like a series of uh, let's last... say six story arc, I think, and it was the last episode that she was in. Oh, hell, was she Avon's lover? She may have been. Because that's quite a powerful one. This is really Anna. Powerful, powerful. But uh, that's quite a powerful story arc in Blake Seven. And I'm huge it's, fan it's, of Blake uh, Seven. Uh, it's quite an. I mean, I I don't know Blake Seven well, other than knowing it's a Terry Nation. Love it. Um, and that goes back to the whole Doctor Who thing as yes, well that yes. we mentioned um, before. Um, and I, I don't really know it very well, but I know that this particular episode in question is quite a, a big episode within the Blake Seven canon and it was controversial at the time I believe why we'll have to look it up look it up and we'll talk about it off, offline yeah anyway um, but anyway that's pretty much all that Susan Farmer did really mm-hmm. um, um, and then coming into Andrew Keir who uh, played the role of her, her father Sandor 
Right. Now, I've already mentioned he plays the main title role, Quadamass, in Quadamass in the Pit, one of my favourite movies, if I haven't mentioned that already before. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was also in uh, Pirates of Blood River, The Devil Ship Pirates, The Viking Queen, and he actually deputised for Peter Cushing in Blood from the Mummy's Tomb. Uh, because Peter Cushing, I think, was either sick or... Oh, no, that's right. He, Peter Cushing's... Uh, was attending a funeral, and I can't remember if it was his wife or his father or somebody. Right. He wasn't able to, to be there because he had to be at a funeral. Oh. Um, and they called up, because of the producer's new Andrew Keir, mm. um, they called him in to fill the role of Cushing's character, essentially. Mm. Um, um, yeah, so, yeah, he was a good chap, Andrew Keir. Um Gimli. Interestingly, the character of Father Sandor later starred in his own spin-off comic book series titled Father Sandor Demon Stalker. Right. And the, f- the series followed Father Sandor hunting demons, werewolves, witches, and other supernatural characters. Which I think sounds awesome. You'd watch that series. I would watch that series. It needs to be made hammer. Well, anyway. there you go. Um, but yeah, look, I, I really liked it. I liked Andrew Keir's presence in this movie across the board he is the right kind of person to bring gravitas to that role and and commanded it yes and rightfully so um and then obviously thorley waters was the other guy who played ludwig um is somebody else that we should mention Mm -hmm. he's the uh he has been in uh, quite a few hammer films um he was the theater manager in phantom of the opera uh had a beautiful role in frankenstein created woman and also was in Frankenstein Must Be Destroyed and a latter movie, Vampire Circus, which I'm hoping to talk about in a later podcast. Um, so, yeah, so, so, like, there's a lot of... Um, that's what I mean. It comes back to that whole thing about how there's a lot of um, key components within this movie that really sum up what Hammer were about and mm-hmm. why I particularly love it. Um, and something else I forgot to mention, the character that plays the stuntman of Christopher Lee's role as Dracula, the final climax, uh-huh. with um, the ice shifting and him going under, mm-hmm. was, was a stuntman playing that. And he was actually a guy called Eddie Powell, who um, was probably more known for playing the alien creature in the first Alien movies. There you go. And that made me go, awesome. That is pretty awesome. That and is he did pretty a lot awesome. of other things, but he, yeah, it's kind of cool that he, there's a bit of an, a nice link there between... Hammer and Alien. Can you imagine being that guy's kid? <laughs> yeah. Can't cool. Growing up, going. Uh, Ooh, my dad's an alien. Play? An alien and Dracula. Mm. My dad's the alien. Cool. That is oh, cool. That's awesome. So, anyway, final thoughts on the movie. A uh, movie. Um, you do you go, first? go first? Or <laughs> you, <laughs> no. No, you, know, you go first. Uh, well, I, I, for me, I, I just wanted to highlight my favourite moments. Yep. For me, uh, the staking of Helen's character, which we were talking about. Um, which, which is, is a bit Barbara disturbing, Paul, but yes. And mm-hmm. I, I just like that moment. The killing of Alan. Yeah, that is um, very good. Being strung up. And there's a lot of the two death scenes, essentially. Yeah, basically. <laughs> so... Um, and okay. I also liked um, Susan's hypnosis with Dracula's enticement, um, you know, with him slicing his chest. Because yeah. I, I really love the fact that that's a massive nod to, to um, Bram Stoker's original works. Um, so that's how it works, right? A vampire... Binding you doesn't turn. Yeah, yeah. yeah Binding you doesn't turn. Because I changed that since into when it yeah. got into the sci fi element, got into it, and it yeah. became a virus, which is a, a whole. I think yeah, we talked about this before. Yeah, yeah, we talked about it. With the whole parallel with AIDS mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. infection and so on and so forth. Yep. So, but back then it was more he bites you, you got to bite him, and then the circle's complete somehow. Some, 
That's correct. Right. And that's how that works. Yeah. So only when that happens, if you then drink from Blacklist Bud, he Blacklist Bud Budweisers that he had stored in his times. Drink, drink, drink. If you drink from Dracula's blood. Uh, yeah, he can transform me. Well, don't do that. Yeah. Um, just, she, she, <laughs> she just sits there and goes, no, I'm Yeah, I'm good. Oh, oh, but then oh he, a cigarette, His power of hypnosis, though, is... is oh, that's the nice... I like the power of hypnosis thing. Where it's, like, it's like a contract that's designed to screw you over, but it's the fine print that the devil writes in, going, yeah, look that, look, you, garlic, uh, sunlight, <laughs> across, just wear a cross 24-7, like, yeah. you're going to be fine with this guy, and you do, and you sign the contract, and goes, oh, by the way, you can hypnotize, hypnotize me. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and you like, can take the cross yeah, off. You take the cross off. Oh, you didn't tell me that. Well, you didn't read the fine print. <laughs> that, that's a very nice get out. Yeah, like Dracula goes, I'll be Dracula because I know I can do that. So, yeah, yeah. yeah wear as much crosses as you like. It's good. It's a good little that's escape right. clause. And, and, and finally... Um, Finally, it's the it's the all round performances. Like you know, one uh, one of the reasons why I think these uh, movies are are solid are the actors that they bring in to play the the roles. It's there's a real sense of drama. There's established. Were these all like proper theatre actors? Yeah. Oh, they, they weren't like they, they, weren't, they go on to be. So they they're quite. You know, they were quite so were there any actually. big like today? Um, a film like that would be you cast TV actors or B grade actors trying Probably, to break into yeah. Hollywood because they, they're, they're generally. But then, are. like in all, in all honesty, if you're going to do it right, you want to bring in the likes of Ian McKellen. Yeah, completely. These kind of but because you know that it's you couldn't do it these friends. days. Not really. So it's a horror film. They're going to tell you where to jump. Yeah. But back then, how did they convince these powerful stage uh, actors? I think to I, do we were talking about this with. Miles, Miles and I were talking about this, and that he was struck on something because he's, he's a bit more learned in the sense of what was happening in the sense of. Well, <laughs> oh, why would you have just invited Miles to this podcast, Paul? <laughs> you knew best friend Miles. Miles. <laughs> um, I don't know why I'm, I'm stroking the mic as I'm doing that. It's pretty dodgy. Um, but but no, he, 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 he should be out of jail by now, shouldn't he? He should be, hopefully. Okay, good. Uh, yeah. In fact, I think I was supposed to call all the police. <laughs> um, anyway, he, um, but he kind of was talking about that there was a bit of a crisis within the film industry at the time with contract rights and, and the theatre agencies and stuff. So they were the, the agencies, were, uh, the, the actors, sorry, were actually really hungry for work. Uh-huh. Um, and so they were able to bring, bring people in to play these kind of less, lesser quoted Because they lose the money, they're dropping actors. Yeah. So um, I'm noticing I'm saying, ah, an awful lot. This is my new dun-dun-dun. There's something that's going to be just making me myself at the end of the year. I think that sums up my thoughts. I mean, I I love the piece. But I mean, what what did you... Again, I I liked it. Like, it started off promisingly. Like, Mm. the first shot, I remember thinking, this is the sort of English countryside that inspired Tolkien to write Lord of the Rings. So when he's talking about... Uh, the Fellowship of the Ring walking down a forest. This is the forest it's supposed to look like. And then, you know, in 21st century, New Zealand kind of crapped on that. And said, ah, you have the forest? This is a forest. That was my first thought. I was like, okay, this is lovely English countryside. Yeah. Beautiful. It's a place that I, I think makes me say people like you are born in a movie. Yeah. Because you come from that sort of world. Yeah, I live in the forest. Um, and, and, then, and then the opening bit, and I thought for sure, okay, once I figured out what the mum was doing, that the girl was a vampire and she's going to come up and kill everybody, but... Instead, the priest said, no, she's really dead. I'll leave her alone. Again, back to the Lord of the Rings thing. I thought he was Gimli. I don't yeah, know why yeah, I yeah. thought that. Yeah. But it, it went well, because like, he's quite a charming character. You introduced the four... Yeah. The, 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 like I said, the lead character, Charles, is quite cool. Yep. You, you, know, you like him. The brother's fine. Yep. And they start off well. And then you get these conventions that... Um, not conventions, storytelling devices that, you know... 
the horse's carriage or the head, the, 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 the horse's carriage. Of course, of course, the carriage has got horses in it. Uh, but the, the driverless carriage, the safety of the castle, that's very nice. And then yep. the creepy castle, that's got... Uh, oh, yeah, it hits, it hits all the right notes. It just still feels, obviously, it's like, okay, get on with it. Cool. Yeah, yeah, dated yeah. in its time, yeah. yeah. I, mean, I mean, I think, you know, to, to defend its cause, I think... It is the fact that it's hitting those notes, which yeah. is why I think it's it, it's a movie that still stands. Yeah, completely. Yeah, and it's you, you can see it being uh, harnessed into a modern day conventions quite easily mm. by kind of tweaking a few things here and there. Mm. But as a whole, I you know I, I liked it. I mean, if you would compare it to the previous movie you saw, would, would you favour this one? Ah, uh, probably. I mean, I mean, it's a big call because yeah, the first yeah, movie did have seminal moments in it, like yeah. like this is the first time we've seen Christopher Lee as Dracula. And he yeah. is the first person you, that flashes through your mind if you say the word, I think. Yeah. To most people, you say the word Dracula, you, you see a guy wearing a silk robe with a yeah. red inner lining yes. with dark hair. Yeah. Um, and, you know, uh, a Mesopotamian prince in the ni- 18, minus 1800th century wouldn't wear that. But, so that, but he, is, he is the man who made Dracula what he is today, and so there were great moments and there's Peter Cushing. And even though I slaved off the first film, I do appreciate that all the great films that we love today wouldn't exist if it wasn't for this film. But so this, this current film, it, it, it's a tighter story. It's not... Yeah. I would, you know. So do you think the missing ingredient is Peter Cushing as Van Helsing? Or uh, do you think Andrew Keir pulls it off enough with this new character? No, Andrew Keir pulls off the role. I, I'm not as got a big a man crush on Peter Cushing as you do. I love him. But he is very good. And I do like the dynamic between Van Helsing and Dracula. And it's all, all, and all it's, it's the that whole kind of... Well, with, with those two characters in particular, it's that whole yin-yang yeah. thing. There. Yeah. You know, it's, the, it's the whole Hell's knows about about the whole Dracula Van Helsing. I'm trying to think of another equivalent of... Good versus. Uh, it's Moriarty. Moriarty oh, Sherlock. It's the Doctor and the Master. It's yeah, thank you. Um, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's Bond and no, that's no, not Bond and what's it? Jeffrey. No, it's <laughs> Bond and Jeff. No, it's um, Bond and 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 Blowfield. Blowfield. How do we tie this back to Hammer? I don't know <laughs> because I'm, you can't tell I'm stretching. <laughs> like a, oh, no. But yeah, yeah, tie back to Hammer. Look, um, it's it, it's it's starting to find its feet as a mm. formula. Well, yeah. this is this is what's going to be interesting when we move forward because we're we're now officially a third of the way through the Dracula Hammer Horror movie right. canon, mm-hmm. and it obviously is always going to be each of these movie installments are always a sign of the times, and we're about to hit the seventies, which is going to be quite fun. Right, cool. Um, so, <laughs> whether the movies stand up is another question. Um, but which brings me to, I mean, is there any before I go on to that? Is there any anything the last thing you want to say about? Um, uh, the Prince of Darkness? No. <laughs> <laughs> that was very nice to see Bud Tingle. Yeah, being a yeah, jobbing yeah, actor, yeah. as Could opposed be. to being the guy yeah, who, really or really the gravitas, and that he's supposed to be some yeah. god that was supposed to... Cool. Uh, All right, well, look, this lend, lends itself to, as I said, these, the next instalment, which we're going to record, which actually I'm going to, as a surprise to the people out there, is I'm actually going to do it as a double feature podcast. Um, I'm going to have Miles back to talk about the next instalment, which is uh, Dracula Has Risen From The Grave. And... Once again, I'm going to have Ant come back to talk about the I apologize. fifth movie. He apologizes which for is, too. Uh, which is actually Taste the Blood of Dracula. But I'm going to release it as a double bill. Taste you guys, the Salty Blood. Um, in true Hammer Horror homage. I'll just leave it as that and just to say thank you for um, what is now currently 1,000 Facebook uh, people that are loving our, what we're are doing. We, so um, if you've got any thoughts or comments, do send it our way. Yes. All right. 
Well, thank you very much, Anthony, for uh, joining us on the podcast. And um, hopefully we'll hear from you guys. Keep on listening and let us know um, your thoughts of Dracula, Prince of Darkness. Goodbye. Keep the music. <laughs>